Welcome to Citizens Midweek, a podcast for our church family where we take a deeper look at this week's sermon. It's Tim again. I'm filling in hosting responsibilities for Jacob, who's out again this week. And this week on the podcast, we're joined by our deacon of women's ministry, who also happens to be my wife, Lindsay Olson. Here we go. So we're doing something a little different on the podcast today. So instead of deep diving into a part of the sermon from Sunday, I thought we'd shift it up a little bit. So we're at the halfway point of the book of Ephesians. We're also at the half, almost the halfway point of our sermon series. And so I wanted to pause and have a kind of recap conversation about where we've been so far in the book. And to do that, I want to officially welcome our guest, the most attractive guest, I will say, that we've had so far on the podcast. Lindsay, welcome to Citizens Midweek. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You're very biased. Not biased at all. Thanks for uh, getting over your fears of not wanting to be on a podcast and not excited about doing this for me. You know, I, I never thought I would find myself on a podcast. I kind of am not a huge fan of podcasts. I don't listen to them. I must be a visual person, but here we are. So... Uh, to kick us off, before we jump into Ephesians and all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about just who you are, what roles you serve within our church, what you do on a day in, day out, uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So my name is Lindsay. Uh, like Tim said, I am his wife. I am staying at home with our daughter, Harper, and I love staying at home with her. Um, a lot of my days are pretty standard uh, routine, monotonous even, um, but I do love staying at home. It's allowed me to be really involved in Harper's life, um, but also to serve the church in different areas. Um, so currently, I am our deacon of women's ministry, a community group leader, and I'm on teaching team to help review sermons each week. That's great. Cute daughter too. I like her. I'm a fan. Uh, so when you found out we were doing this series, you I know you were super excited. Uh, you were telling me how excited you were to get to kind of jump into this book. You've been studying through Ephesians on your own. Uh, so tell me about what uh, you were so excited for as you were studying Ephesians, as you were thinking about us doing this series as a church. What got you really excited? What were you anticipating uh, about the, studying this book together? Yeah. Uh, Ephesians has been one of my favorite books of the Bible for a while. Um, and I was excited because I love the book of Ephesians. Um, and I am working through Ephesians on my own, kind of doing a slow approach, um, steeping in these different passages of the Bible. Um, and I've been doing that for a few months now, but I actually chose to study Ephesians after hearing that we'd be doing a sermon series on it. Um, I wanted to spend time in it myself and honestly, I've gotten a lot more out of the series because of that. And I would definitely encourage our people to do that as well. Um, in fact, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you've listened to the sermons, uh, but you haven't actually read Ephesians for yourself, I would encourage you to actually stop this podcast and just go read Ephesians. Um, I'm probably going to get myself uninvited from ever coming back by saying that, but um, it's better than anything that Tim and I can say about it because it's actually God's word. So don't take our word for what it says. Um, actually go spend time in the Bible, steep in these truths for yourself. Um, I really do believe that God will meet you in his word. And um, as, as helpful as the sermon series is on its own, I think it's a lot more helpful if you've spent that time in it yourself too. Yeah, that's great. One of the funny parts about uh, living with your pastor and being married to your pastor is that uh, each week I'll come upstairs from working out of the basement, working on the sermons. And I'll be like, Hey, Lindsay, I got this idea. I think about this for this sermon. And she'd be like, Oh, but I've been studying it. Like, what about this and this and this too? And just like all these truths that you've been studying on your own, which I think is a testament to what we encourage our people to do all of the time, which is when we're walking through these books of the Bible, whether it be first Timothy or acts or Ephesians to not just, um, 
come on Sundays ready to listen and hear from God, not just uh, the podcast and not just community group time, but actually getting God's word um, themselves, which is why we have these Bible reading plans and Bible memorization plans mm-hmm. of a chance for them to study God's word and see uh, if God wants to take the truths we talk about on Sunday and get them deeper into their lives or whether it be other truths from the scripture that we don't hit on because of time or whatever it may be, yeah. um, which yeah, is the benefit good. of studying. Uh, so as you think about the first three chapters of Ephesians and the first six sermons, what are some things that have jumped out at you? Maybe that we didn't talk about from the text, or maybe that we weren't able to hit on because of time, or maybe that we did talk about, but you've just been thinking about more and wrestling through more. What are just some things that have stuck out to you? Sure. Um, so the first that comes to mind is actually from a few weeks ago. Uh, Tim and I were in Columbia for the weekend, which is where we went to college. Go Gamecocks. And we were having fun just walking around Columbia and USC's campus um, and reminiscing. But I was feeling really bogged down by some past sins, um, just some major sin struggles that I was dealing with while I was in college. And honestly, I was just feeling dirty from remembering these things. Um, and I couldn't shake these memories. It felt like a wave of shame had come over me. Um, and I woke up in the middle of the night and those feelings of shame came creeping back into my mind. And that's very abnormal for me. Um, this is not something that regularly happens. Um, and honestly, I was trying to cope in poor ways. Uh, I tried to ignore it, which is never effective, uh, to just try to shove it to the side. Um, I tried to convince myself that because so much time had passed that, um, it didn't matter anymore. So I kept telling myself like, Oh, it's been almost 10 years ago, which (laughs) that's hard to believe that college was that long ago. But, um, I was trying to say, you know, let it go. It's been 10 years, um, as if time passing could make it better. Um, but that's really not what I need. I don't need time to pass. I need a savior. Um, so anyway, I'm wrestling with all of this in the middle of the night and using poor ways to cope and, Um, finally, instead of that, I started meditating on some truths from Ephesians one, um, specifically my union with Christ, this idea that I'm in Christ and the spiritual blessings that come from that. Um, so in Ephesians one, we learned about how I am made holy and blameless in Christ. I have redemption in Christ. I'm sealed with the promised Holy spirit in Christ. And so I started recalling these truths and praying, um, asking God to help me to rest in who I am in him. And, um, these aren't just phrases that sound good, right? Like they're not just like something you put on wall art in your living room. These are actual realities for us as Christians. And, um, I just found so much peace resting in Christ. Uh, those walls of shame came crumbling down, um, because I was recalling specific, um, parts of scripture from Ephesians one. And so it really came together because you know how Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they wouldn't just know God on a surface level, um, but they would really know him, really experience him and that these truths would take root in our lives. Um, and that's what happened for me in that moment. It was like I had known these truths, but that night they took deeper root in my heart. Um, and I know that's not a one and done experience in the ebbs and flows of my wavering heart. I need to continue to root myself in these truths. But it was really sweet to go from trying to fix myself to instead turning to God and finding peace in him, specifically in truths that are in Ephesians 1. Yeah, that's awesome. Even just to hear how the Lord brought truths from... I mean, that was a week and a half ago that we were in Columbia, how he brought truths from six weeks ago Mm -hmm. in his word that you've studied on. And I think that's one of the... It gives testament to you know what we read about in, throughout the scriptures, but especially in Psalms about hiding God's word in our heart, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just even the realities that God, through the power of His Spirit, will bring back these truths into our lives. I even think about um, one of the things that I think your story gives a tangible weight to is that we talked about week one was that we live with competing realities. 
right? So we have all of these truths in Ephesians 1 that we in Christ are holy and blameless, that we're chosen, that we're adopted, that we're redeemed, that we're forgiven. And yet we often live or believe or dwell in a competing reality to that, right? So we are chosen, but we live unwanted and unloved, or Mm -hmm. we're holy and blameless, but we live um, or believe that we still have to live in that shame or Mm -hmm. that guilt. We are, you know, redeemed, we are forgiven, and yet we still live as if we owe a debt for our sin or in bondage to sin or whatever it may be. And so I think even thinking about that example of just the the reality of, okay, I'm going to remember these truths, not just as abstract out there kind of ideas, but as actually true for me. And then in that moment, I can push back on these competing realities that our, our flesh and our sin nature wants us to continue to dwell in and continue to believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. Um, really, really grateful for what you're saying. It's it, because you're right. I, it, I was not in my Bible in the middle of the night, right? These were just things that I'd stored away, um, in my heart. And so I'm just really grateful for the time that we're spending as a church body, um, actually going through this book together. What else has jumped out at you or stood out to you or uh, has been really helpful over the past three chapters and six weeks? Yeah. Uh, the other one that stood out is actually from more recently, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, um, which is what we were preaching on this past week. Um, this has actually been one of my favorite passages of scripture for a while now. It's a prayer that Paul's praying over the Ephesians, that they would be rooted and grounded in God's love, um, that they would be able to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God. Um, and this, this passage stands out to me because when I moved to college, um, my parents made this little toolbox with like hammer and nails and screwdriver. It's the one that we still use actually. (laughs) Um, They're great hammers. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) And they left it in my dorm room for me. Um, Anyway, a few months into my freshman year, I opened up this toolbox for the first time. And inside was a note from my parents saying, this is our prayer for you. And then it had Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 on it. Um, So this passage feels a little sentimental to me because uh, to hear that that's being prayed over you is really sweet. That popped up on your like time hop or Facebook memories or whatever. Yeah. Strangely enough, I uh, I actually posted that on my Facebook page, like saying like, thanks, mom and dad, like found this note card. And in my Facebook time hop, whatever that's called, uh, it popped up yesterday as being nine years ago. That's crazy. Um, Yeah. So I think it's called memories. That shows how much we don't use social media. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue Ephesians three technology. Um, so anyway, uh, very sweet to know that those, uh, words have been prayed over you. And, um, now I'm able to pray them over Harper as well. Um, anyway, all this to say, I was coming up to this passage. Um, I guess I would have thought that I already knew it well. Um, which is very prideful, <laughs> but I guess I thought like, this is a very familiar passage to me. Um, but like I said, I've been slowly and methodically working through Ephesians and something really struck me from this passage for the first time, um, in a new way. And specifically with verse twenty twenty one, um, verses 20 and 21, which reads now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And as I was reading this, um, I realized that I think I've wrongly applied this in the past. Um, you know, when you're facing trying times or circumstances, I want to pull this phrase from verse 20 to encourage either myself or others and say, but God can do more than you can ask or imagine. Uh, which is true. He can, he's God and he's all powerful and in his kindness, sometimes he does answer prayers in abundant ways and maybe change circumstances in a way that blesses us. 
But that's not what this passage is about. Uh, Paul isn't merely talking about our circumstances. He's referencing the gospel, all that God has already accomplished in the depths of his love and grace. That is what Paul is referencing as being more abundant than anything that we can ask or imagine. It's about the work of God and the fulfillment of his promises as being abundant. And, um, I just found it very humbling to have thought that I was familiar with this passage and then realized that no, I have been trying to make this about me and about my circumstances when really Paul is urging us to shift our gaze away from ourselves and fix our eyes on God. His sovereignty, love, grace, justice, compassion, kindness, patience, faithfulness, all of these things far surpass anything that we could ask or imagine for. Yeah, that's awesome. I love one of the things that, that you and I talked about with these, like even just these prayers I've been thinking about with these prayers is um, praying the prayers of scripture. So I remember uh, Donald Whitney, uh, who was one of our professors at Southern, used to have this practice of praying the Psalms where he would actually take the Psalms and pray through them as kind of, you know, David's prayer book for uh, the Jewish people that he wrote for them. He then takes and we can pray it as our prayers. Uh, and I think that's, that's really exciting to do, even thinking about like Ephesians and Ephesians 1 where Paul prays, Ephesians 3 where Paul prays and other prayers throughout the New Testament. Um, even just owning those as prayers for ourselves, right? Like Paul prays for the Ephesian church. Like I, I want you to, I'm praying for you that you would experience the depths of Christ's love, that you would grasp what is ungraspable, that you would comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, length, height, and depth of the love of Christ for you, all of these, these wonderful things. And I think even as believers owning those prayers for ourselves, I think one of the ways that the spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray, which is what we see in scripture that he does is by even giving us the words of God to pray back to God as far as, Hey God, I don't Mm -hmm. believe these things. I don't grasp these things, but I I do know Ephesians three. And I do know that uh, Christ is interceding on my behalf and I can pray these prayers of scripture such that you would actually take these truths and apply them into my heart uh, such that I would be changed. I would think differently, uh, live differently, believe differently, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like you're saying, you, you can steal prayers from scripture. It's not really stealing. I'm call it borrowing, uh, prayers from scripture. So they can be actual prayers that were like, you know, Ephesians one and Ephesians three, we see actual prayers that Paul was praying, but you can also do it with other passages of scripture. Um, like you're saying, and I, what I have found is that that helps me to pray about and for things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought to pray on my own. Um, because scripture is prompting me towards it. And so I may uh, pray for God's glory in a way that uh, on my own, my own thoughts would not have prompted. Um, it, it really is a beautiful tool. Yeah. And I think even, I think even about like the liturgies we do on Sundays and how those themselves are kind of that forced practice too, of like, we pray for things that we wouldn't think to pray about. We pray for griefs or sins or pains that we would never think to pray about. Uh, so even thinking about like that being another tool that, that you can pull of saying, all right, I'm going to take, you know, these prayers that we pray together on Sundays that are often, uh, if not explicitly scripture are always based on scripture. And I'm going to pray those as well. And maybe I'm going to take them throughout the week and, and pray, um, as well, which I think is right. Like getting even some of our own attention and focus in prayer off of just the immediate circumstances and also onto these bigger, larger truths of God, who he is, what he's doing in our lives and in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I'm going to throw a curveball real quick before we get to that second question. I know you're going to love this. Um, so you're the our deacon of women's ministry, right? So you help just think about uh, discipleship for our women, how to teach them how to read their Bibles, all of that. What particularly in all of this stuff that you just talked about or all the stuff you've seen, how do you think uh, that particularly is good news for um, just some of the, the kind of common struggles that women face as followers of Jesus? 
Yeah. So, um, this is for men and women. I I think it's unfair to say that it's like something that only women struggle with, but, uh, approval is something that I think the book of Ephesians has a lot to say to. Um, so for me in particular, I'll, I'll use my own life as an example. Um, I want to earn uh, right standing with God. I want to work for it. I want to build my own righteousness, um, those sorts of things. And, one of the things that the book of Ephesians pushes back against is being able to boast in your own works. <laughs> and he says, no, like you, you have no grounds to stand on, on your own. And um, this is not a work of you. This is a work of the Lord. Um, grace yeah, is a work dead, of the disobedient Lord. Disobedient and doomed. Right. Is what he says even in chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just very humbling to be reminded of that. Um, also reminded, um, that my approval is only found in Christ when, uh, Ephesians one talks so much about being chosen by God. And, um, that is a huge comfort to me to know that I was chosen by God, because that means that before I even had a chance, cause it says we we're chosen before the creation of the world. And so before I even had a chance to earn approval, right, much less lose it, which I would have and did. Um, but before any of that came into the picture, um, God himself had already chosen me. And so basically Ephesians takes like any, <laughs> any scraps that you like want to hold on to for, uh, creating your own justification and says, no, like this is, this is not possible. This is not you. This is of the Lord. This is grace. This is a gift. Um, and so I think for men and women that are struggling with approval, um, Ephesians has a lot of rich truth to speak into that. What are you uh, excited about coming up in the book as we kind of move to the second half? Uh, you know, we talked about Ephesians kind of splits down the middle, one through three and then four through six uh, chapter wise. What are you excited about uh, coming up in the next eight sermons, the next three chapters? So you've mentioned before that roughly Ephesians one through three kind of sets the foundation for gospel truth. And then Ephesians four through six gives us some practicals. Um, I'm excited for a church body to see this pattern where Paul says, this is what is true. So live in light in that, in light of that. And particularly, um, they're going to be commandments. And and yes, they tell us how we should and should not live. Uh, but these are directives always grounded in Christ's finished work and our identity in him. And so Ephesians 4 opens with, Therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Um, as in, you've been called into this beautiful gospel and these truths of chapters 1 through 3. So chapters 4 through 6 give us directives to reflect that. Um, and the purpose is not for earning standing with God, uh, but instead to honor and glorify and make much of God with our lives to reflect who we are in Him. And um, part of the purpose of these commandments is also that they're markers of who we are in Christ and markers that we're God's people. And God wants that to be on display for the weary world around us. Um, and so I'm just really excited for, um, yes, like our lives should look different and Ephesians four through six is going to take us there, um, and give us some directives on that, but it is always founded in the gospel in Christ's finished work. Yeah, that's great. I was, uh, <laughs> I was reading a commentary getting ready for the first part of chapter four this coming Sunday. And, uh, I think one of the pastors kind of paraphrased both the first part of chapter four, the what you just quoted of walk in a manner worthy in which you've been called. And then also verse 17, where he comes back to it and says, do not walk as the Gentiles do. And he kind of summarizes Paul's whole argumentation in four through six, basically saying like, you're a Christian Christ has died for you now live like it. <laughs> it's just the reality of like, 
how right. grounded it is. It like this is who you are now. And I mean, even right. in some of the language we're going to see later in chapter four of like old self, new self. This old man is done away with, and this new man is here. Um, and even just the encouragement of this is already true. Now, you know, the process of sanctification is to learn to live in light of what is already true about us. Learn exactly. to live more and more into our identity in Christ, our reality of the gospel on our behalf. Um, all of that. But I just love that phrasing of like, you're a Christian. So live like you're a Christian. Like Jesus has paid your p- the penalty. Like live in light of that reality and that deep truth, not for it, not um, to gain it, but from it. Why don't you uh, take our last few seconds and tell us a little bit about you are co-teaching one of our summer studies that we have coming up here in June. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what people can uh, look forward to in that, why they should take that class, all that. Absolutely. Um, So I will be co-teaching how to read your Bible with Garrison Weiner and Walker Bird. What more reason do you need to sign up for that one? Um, just kidding. We'll be spending eight weeks giving an overview of scripture, um, doing some training on hermeneutical tools, which basically means like tools for reading your Bible, <laughs> um, and helping you learn how to study the Bible on your own. So we'll be meeting Thursday mornings from six thirty to about seven thirty, uh, hoping to get people off to their jobs by eight, uh, and that will be running from June third through July twenty second. So if you ever find yourself uh, in a passage of scripture and just wondering what to do with it and maybe feeling very disconnected from it. Uh, that's all right. We've all been there and there are tools that can help. Um, and so that's kind of the hope for this course is that we would help you on your own to be able to uh, study scripture and understand more of God's word. Yeah. This whole class where it's like, if you want to know how to read Exodus, Leviticus, the gospel of Matthew and revelation, like this is the, the class that you need to take, right? Of How do you approach these hard passages of scripture that are hard to understand these different genres of scripture from narrative to apocalyptic to the letters and epistles of Paul and others to the gospels, the story of Jesus. How do you read those passages differently from other ones? And how do you uh, get what God is trying to speak to you? We, you know, we believe God's word is his word, that it's infallible, that it's without error, that it's him revealing himself to us. And so one of, if not the most important tool you can get as a Christian is learning how to encounter God in his word and how yeah. to study his, his word and how to know him through the, the scriptures, which uh, are living, but never changing. Yeah. And so, yeah, I encourage you guys to sign up for that class. You can find out more about that summer study as well as our other two, our, our money 101 and our mission 101 on our website, citizenscharlotte.com. Uh, there's a, a little tab right at the top that says to register for summer studies. All of them are free. Uh, there are different times throughout the week um, so that we can try to make them work for different people in our church family. We would encourage you to sign up for at least one, whatever you feel like you need some practical help discipleship wise, all of that. Lindsay, thanks so much for uh, getting over your podcast fears. You did great. <laughs> thanks. Again, you're very biased. <laughs> thanks guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week.